My guest this week grew up in the hills of Tennessee, surrounded by Hardy Boys books and Sears catalogs. Enraptured by Americana, he falls in love with the gear used to capture it, so he starts a blog reviewing his favorite products. Fast forward 12 years later, and that little blog has over 50 employees and is setting the standard for product journalism and storytelling. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is the founder of Gear Patrol, Eric Yang. Eric and I discuss how Gear Patrol went from a bedroom blog to a 50-plus person company, his perspective on materialism, and why he believes the best brand is the one you love. Eric Yang. Hi. You are, you are the man. I, I'm sitting here at the Gear Patrol office in awe, first off, of like your guy's space. It's, no, it's, it's super high tech. It's, it's a nice little space. We, uh, we've, made, we've made good use of it. Yeah. Um, pretty simple. This room has actually got probably the most amount of stuff in it, though. Just, just so like the listeners know, like he said, it's really simple, but there's about like nine lights and like fancy things in front of me. It's, it's like a little mini TV studio. There's a little bit of production porn here. That's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll you, you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your okay. show we'll talk about gear patrol lots of stuff but first off thanks for thanks for letting me no, come by and chat i'm super honored to to be here, sitting here talking to you what, wow well so it's funny because i told some folks um that i was going to chat with you and people really 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 got excited oh really more more so than other folks that i've had that because they were like Dude, like Eric, dude, that guy, he like knows about everything. He's like, he's like what I want to be when I think about like learning about gear oh, and this stuff. That's, that's hopefully that's not a, that's not a good axiom, but, uh, well, I'm honored though. Well, way. For sure. I mean, and it's a lot of it is, is true. I mean, we were, before we were recording, you know, we were casually mentioning speakers and headphones <laughs> and like, you were like, oh yeah, these Sony ones, these are neutral. These are this. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, your stuff and you're, you're rocking like, not just any sort of Panerai. You're rocking like a, someone who knows about watches Panerai. Uh, like this California doll. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, actually this is not my watch. My watch uh, that I usually wear, which is a GMT master two um, is being borrowed and I'm, the loaned, I'm borrowing her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm borrowing her California dial. Because it's one of the watches that I've wanted and I'm thinking about it. So why not try it on for a little while? Yeah. You know, it's like, but to kind of sidebar for a minute, I am all for like trading watches with buddies for no, a bit. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And I have maybe just a couple of friends into which I'm okay with lo- loaning them some of these watches. Cause I have a few other ones where it's like, yeah, but you kind of like, you're a little rough. Yeah, I, you're a little rough with your stuff. I've seen you walk through a t- subway turnstile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're walking forearm forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyway, so Gear Patrol, and first off, you, I, I'm, I know you're from Tennessee, but I'm from Tennessee, yeah. Before I ever chat with people, I mean, obviously, most of them I'm already familiar with, but I try to like go as deep as possible, trying to find everything I can. Perfect. It's very difficult trying to find stuff about you. You are, and you had said it earlier, like you are. You're, you're a relatively private person. I, I have worked. That. I've probably worked past decade to try to disappear yeah. in the world, and so suddenly having to do the show for Gear Patrol, which I was forced to do, and then now this <laughs> podcast, which was you know we first we filmed our first episode this week, and uh, this show with you, I, I feel like I've crossed a new threshold in my life where I was talking to my wife. I go, what what, what happened? What what happened last Sunday that all of a sudden everything's changing? 
And yeah. she said, you just kind of roll with it. I think this is like your new responsibility. And, you know, in the past, I probably would have said no to a lot of things, but um, maybe it's just being a dad now. I don't really care. Dude, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. There's a certain thing that happens. I mean, and, and how old are your kids? Uh, my older son, Hunter, is about to turn four. Okay. And my younger son, Everett, who I was talking about this morning, uh, he is eight months old. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it's like, you, they're not in school sort of yet. I. Because yeah. I have a few friends and they're Pre-care, learning to yeah. deal with, like, their kids are, like, auditioning to high schools and things like that. But there's, there's definitely a certain thing that happens, I think, when you become a parent that a part of you is like, you know what, like, this just doesn't matter. Yeah, I know, it's so true. <laughs> I, I think that now there's this, uh, I was trying to explain what it was, and I feel the best way I was able to explain it was that there's a priority zero in your life. Okay. The priority zero being nothing else can trump this, no matter what you do. Like, no matter what you're thinking about, there's a priority zero. And that sort of actually made things easier for me. Just thinking, okay, I now know exactly what I'm doing from Friday evening all the way until Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the kids. Yeah. Your dad mode. Yeah. Your dad mode. And you know exactly, you got to get home by a certain time. You got to get to work by a certain time. Mm-hmm. You've got to prioritize, prioritize all these things. Um, and, you know, it's actually made me work faster. Oh, really? Which is interesting. Yeah. In, in, in what way? I think that. Well, now I use a calendar well, but oh, that's... Dude, I need to learn how to use that. I, you know, I was, I used to be, I used to be so cavalier with my calendar, but now I'm like t- schedule time before my meetings, schedule oh. time after my meetings, schedule time to move places. Buffer time. Yeah. So I've become a total calendar, not Nazi, but I've become a calendar uh, enthusiast. I, I would, I very much respect anyone who knows how to organize their life. Because oh, absolutely. I have chatted. I yeah, I've chatted with other people, and I'm like, "Hey, what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I notice you're you're writing this down." Oh, okay. Maybe <laughs> I should write stuff down. So I try to write stuff down. Nope. Because no. I'm like, I don't. It doesn't work for me. And then I, I have 100%. an addiction with iOS organizational apps. I got things. I got Notion. Notion. Yeah. <laughs> I got um, Todoist. I got and none of that crap works. No, it doesn't work for me. The, the only thing that works for me is the Apple Notes app. And, right? now, and now they've got the, they've got the checkbox, yeah. you know, so I had, I'm just, I have thousands of those <laughs> and my, my only goal is to try to like get at least half of them done. And right. so, you know, I, I, I've, I figured out that basically I can do about five things a day Okay, and, and that's all I try to get to. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But, keep, keep the bar attainable. Yeah. But sometimes it's, you know, like craft vision. That's like one <laughs> of them. And the second one is. You know, pick up orange chicken from Trader Joe's. Okay. And and so the, one's a little easier than the yeah, other. Yeah. And sometimes actually the, the, the harder ones are easier for me to do, but to get to Trader Joe's, it's so, so difficult. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> well, that's, it's, you got to like endure the, the marathon of the exactly. lines. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're originally from Tennessee, right? I am. I was actually born in Sevierville, Tennessee. Okay. Um, and I grew up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is not too far from where Dollywood is, mm-hmm. uh, which is in Pigeon Forge, which is where my mom lives now. And, but I spent most of my formative years in Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, what was going on there? I mean, obviously your family. School, but... family. Because uh, you went to UT? I did go to UT, yeah. yeah. Um, they got a great basketball program this year. Anyway, the... Uh, Breach. The... <laughs> I'm not even that much of a sports guy, but basketball's been interesting to watch. The... The, yeah, Tennessee was just where my, you know, my parents sort of raised me and, you know, we had some family there. I have a lot of family in the South, Virginia, Alabama, and Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, So East Tennessee really was where I spent a lot of my years and it's sort of, it's molded a lot of who I am today, I would say. Oh, well, in what way? 
maybe some of the Southern sensibilities. Uh, You're definitely, you have the, the strong gentleman vibe, the <laughs> eye contact, yeah. the firm handshake. Because like, just so listeners know, when I first met you, I think I might have met you at a press event. It was so. many moons ago. I was probably just a total goofball. No, you're probably just really cool. No, I was whatever. Really intimidated by the situation. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did. You know, I think not to belittle anyone who likes fun gadgets and watches and mm-hmm. things like that. But I think sometimes there's a, a there's a stigma. There's a stigma. Yeah, and there there's a certain sort of personality type, and maybe sometimes people people that like that stuff aren't as always. Uh, like people person. No, they, they're, they tend to be, and, that, and of course, I don't want to stereotype either. No, yeah, of course. There's a bit of dweebiness to it. Yeah. And so I have to suppress some of my dweebiness, well, and I think. Maybe that's like the southernness in you, but it was like, I met you, you were like, you know, eye contact, firm handshake, made me feel like you were actually talking to me. It's, and especially in a day and age where, unfortunately, I think most of us are buried into our phones or slacks or- Yeah, it's the worst. Notifications, any of the things like that. Um, I was like, okay, I was like, where is this? Who is this guy? Like, so yeah, I, I've, I think there's something that happens. I mean, I wasn't raised in the South. I was, um, people think it's the South when I tell people I'm from Missouri and it's like, no, no. St. Louis, yeah. it's, there's, it's not, but, but St. Louis is its own culture. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a warmth, there's a friendliness there's there. Yeah. Um, and so how did you get to New York? Uh, well, it was funny because, uh, I thought for the longest time that I was going to work in the FBI. Wait. Yeah, this is because I have a lot of family in the military, and uh, you know, I had gone through the application process. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people even know the story. Um, and so, you know, hey, I had, you're volunteering, man. This is great. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and what ended up happening was um, there was I had spent a lot of time overseas, and this is around September 11th, and I came back, and there was a little bit of a gardening period before I had to get, reapply for the academy. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting a job in my backyard, uh, which was Scripps Networks, and that's Food Network, yeah. Home Garden Television, the Do It Yourself Network. And I got a job there because my parents were saying, "Okay, you're going to be here for six months. You should try to get a job." And I went to Scripps, and I realized that I love media, and I didn't expect that. Okay. Um, and just to give you a little bit of context, Scripps Networks headquarters is right behind my high school, which was the Web School of Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were just sort of, we shared, there was like a golf, it was called Dead Horse Golf Course, um, which is a terrible name for a golf course. But anyway, <laughs> they were, uh, they were right there. And so I ended up getting a job there. I was working in ad trafficking for television for which shows I don't even remember. And we ended up doing a project called living.com, which was a video magazine. And that got us some attention from some people who worked at CBS and yeah. we ended up doing... Because um, you won an Emmy or something, right? For, yeah, we did something for Living.com. We did that, that, that project did win an Emmy. Yeah, uh, no big deal. Um, and we <laughs> ended up coming, uh, doing a joint venture, not joint venture, just a joint project with CBS. And okay. what ended up happening was my, um, somebody from that team asked if I wanted to come to New York. And I'd already been going back and forth between Washington, D.C. and New York a little bit for my work. And... I realized that I always wanted to be in New York. And so I said, yes. And I shotgun moved my apartment in two weeks. Dang. I, I, had, I remember that I just had a party where I invited everybody over and said, you can take one thing. Oh, that's very generous. Yeah. It was because I had like nowhere to take it. I, I, I found an apartment in New York. It was a shoebox, you know, yeah. 200 square feet. I could sit in my bed and cook eggs. Okay. You know, <laughs> that, that kind of place. It was up on 51st Street. And I ended up moving to New York and uh, working at CBS. Oh. So, yeah. 
Uh, on 68th? Uh, up, no, I was on, we were in the Ed Sullivan Theater, so we were a startup within CBS called the Whoa. CBS Television Stations Digital Media Group, and they let us take this office above, it was like the floor below where David Letterman worked, and it was really cool, a great vibe, and we worked there, and um, that's actually where I met my co-founder, Ben. Right. Yeah, and if you want to talk about Southern Gentlemen, Ben is the epitome of that. Yeah. yeah he's pure eye contact, <laughs> hard handshake, yeah, he's a great, yeah, he's so charismatic. Um. Yeah, so we, that's how I got to New York. That's, that's crazy. That's 2005. But, I mean, the, this FBI desire, what, where did that come from? I, I won't spend too much time on it, but just... You know, my, my father was, he was in the Korean military uh, during the Korean War, or after the Korean War, and mm-hmm. I just have a lot of family that are in the military, so I was always drawn to government service. It's something that I th- always thought I was going to do. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I actually think this might be the first time I'm ever talking about this, uh, sort of out loud, except okay. for some friends. Uh, and... Yeah, it was just, you know, I majored in economics. I thought that was always going to be what I did. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I was the, the appeal of service and discipline was drawn to me, even though I'm really not that disciplined of a person. Right. <laughs> Which right. I thought maybe this will do me good. We usually love the things we're not always like yeah, the best. A, yeah, yeah <laughs> At exactly. least for myself. That's so appealing. It's like I romanticize <laughs> what that's like yeah. Yeah, to have an organized calendar and have a... <laughs> Make a smoothie at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Never has that happened. Oh yeah, in my I got life. up, I went running, I did it's like nope. You know, I read I read productivity porn because I just look at it and I think, wow, those people can do that? Yeah. How? I'm addicted to those like how I start my day, like entries from any blog or website. I wonder how much of that's actually true. Uh I mean maybe a good bit of it is. I don't know if it all is. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I think there's sort of this now everyone has to fit a mold. So yeah. somebody, somebody was product, you know, productive. Yes. And now everybody feels like they have to be, like, meet that bar yeah. and be just as productive. So you're, you're, in, you're into the idea of service, which is, first off, I, I do want to single out the fact that you weren't like, oh, I thought it would be dope to like, be a secret agent. You were like, no, like, I actually want to serve, which is a yeah. very, very noble and wonderful thing. I, I do oh. want to call that out. But you find, obviously, that you're in love with media more. So you're in New York. And I mean, we won't, you know, spend this much more time on it, but I, you know, where does Gear Patrol come in? Because obviously, I mean, you started this. Obviously, you, you, you know, had a co-founder, but sure. it was you. Uh, you know, it was, it was back in 2007, and we just had a town hall yesterday, so I was just talking about this. Um, so it should be sort of fresh on top of my mind. <laughs> I had, you know, I, was, I had been doing what I guess effectively was blogging in college. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this was before Blogspot. Yeah, WordPress. Well, WordPress was around. Were you live journal? Uh, I didn't live journal. <laughs> okay, live journal. Uh, hey, George R. R. Martin is still no, on live yeah, journal. Yeah, he is still on. Uh, yeah, God bless him. Yeah, no style sheets, <laughs> just straight text. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the so I had I had been blogging. I had something called like the midweek post. It was uh, an embarrassing. I'm, I hope the Internet Archive doesn't still have it. Uh, okay, but it probably will. And you know, it's like every Wednesday I'd post something that I thought about. It would be a diatribe about my like the meal plan at the school or it'd be something I was observing or like something I was listening to that I liked. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And it was just every Wednesday and it should have been an email newsletter, but it was a, uh, just something I blogged. And then, so I was kind of comfortable doing that. And mm-hmm. then I also, I've just, my entire life, I've been drawn to products. I just yeah. love, I love what they mean because as an only child who grew up in East Tennessee, okay. up in the mountains, right? There were, you know, these things were sort of like my siblings. Right. You know, you know, my dad, I remember like my formative years were just spent with my dad's handing me a New York Times, a Time magazine, a Condé Nast Traveler, and uh, like just Sears catalogs and just different oh. catalogs. So that's all I consumed as a kid besides Hardy Boys. 
Wow. Yeah, right? That's kind of like uh, the, the great American life there. I mean, it Party is. Boys, Sears catalogs. I know. I'm so obsessed with Americana. Oh, right? it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, right? And, uh, and so, and he had been too, you know, he drove a Cadillac Eldorado, Cadillac <gasps> Elante. And, and this is because he had moved to America with this idea of sort of embracing the full American dream. Yeah. And, uh, and I got swept up in that, but of course I'm the only child. I'm a latchkey kid. So my parents are always working. Mm -hmm. And um, latchkey for folks that don't know is like an after school program where you can kind of hang out and do activities and fun stuff a little bit longer. So like parents that work late. Yeah. Work late. Yeah. Right. And so, and then when I get home or I go on the school bus, you know, my parents would still be working. So I would just sit there and read, 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 read. And so I voraciously read and you know, I think that a lot of that stuff sort of formed this idea that I wanted to eventually write as mm -hmm. well, too. And I also was always obsessed with products. Like, I'd be the guy that just spent time, like, looking at the box and not opening it for weeks because I just wanted to figure out what it was. And then I would open it. Whoa. Yeah. So and you were doing unboxing videos before unboxing videos. To myself, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, really. hmm. The tape here requires a little bit of cutting. Oh, look how well the manual is placed inside the box. Yeah. yeah. Packaging is Packaging, very underrated. Yeah. <laughs> so funny <laughs> it's true um and yeah and so you know came around 2007 uh i had planned the ski trip to go skiing and i bought some stuff and i actually loved the idea of the gear that i was going to buy for the event mm. more than actually anything else okay uh and so i bought those products it was like a pair of k2 skis and and you know i think mm, good what, taste yeah well i i had probably done some internet reading yeah and i bought them and I ended up having a pretty bad accident on that ski trip. So I tore my MCL. Oh, Lord. A piece I didn't know how to ski very well. I mean, I'm, I'm a landlocked kid. Sure. I grew up in East Tennessee. There was a small ski resort called Ober Gatlinburg. It literally had two hills <laughs> yeah. where people could just kind of like work their way down. And that's where I learned basically on ice. Yeah. yeah St. Just, Louis said that too. It's called Hidden Valley. Hidden Valley? Yeah. That's the perfect name yeah, for it. It's so trash. Yeah, it's so trash. <laughs> <laughs> the ski lift was probably the best part of the actual uh, the, the journey. Right. So, so you I, tear your MCL. I tear my MCL because it's the first time I ever skied on powder. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I tore my MCL. Ski patrol brought me off the mountain. So I'm back in New York and uh, I, you know, I decide I'm going to buy a, a website, a domain. Yeah. And I really wanted to buy gearup.com, mm. but that wasn't available. So I bought Skier Patrol. Skier Patrol brought me off the mountain. I'll just buy this website, skierpatrol.com. It costs $7.95 on Yahoo Small Business. Oh, Lord. Yeah, so I bought it, uh, and I just posted my first post, which was about a pair of K2 skis. And then I never stopped, just every day. I just start writing, just about products that I was interested in, that I liked. Because I couldn't find any of this stuff out there. And then I just kept posting and posting. Then I met my co-founder and he's like, well, I'm going to be your business partner and we're going to keep posting together. And oh. we just kept doing that. And Ben and I wrote the first eight or 9,000 posts. On eight or 9,000? There are so many posts now. I think we've actually called a lot of them. But yeah, we wrote a lot. It was just I, him and I writing for years. I'm, that's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, you're not, we're not writing essays here. How long was it of, of just you and your business partner until, I mean, because we're in an office with a lot of people now. There are a lot of people in here. I'm <laughs> glad this curtain is shut though. So they can't all stare in here. Yeah. Uh, there are 51 people here now, but the, um, it was Ben and I until 2000, end of 2010, I quit my job. Mm -hmm. uh, ben and I both did not want to raise money to grow Gear Patrol. Right. We wanted to do this bootstrapped. And then 2000, just a few months later, Ben quit as well too. And we started working on it full time. We were in a WeWork 
up on 34th Street. Nice. Uh, like everyone else who decided to quit their jobs. Uh, and then we actually ended up sharing an office with the High Snobidey. Oh, and yeah. We work with Jeff. I was talking to him last night, actually. Uh, and, you know, we, that's when we started. Uh, it was until we hired our first person about a year and a half later. Okay. So just so other people know, mm-hmm. you were basically doing this for three, four years almost by yourself? Well, and, well, Ben and I were doing this by ourselves for that long. It was my, by myself for about a year and a half. Yeah. Maybe so, not even that long. No. I, I, I also say this because a lot of people think, oh, I'll just start a site. Here's some great picks. This is awesome. All right, <laughs> let's go. And that, that's... It's, it's, it's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. And, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years now. Like, uh, April 1st would have been our 12th, is our 12th anniversary, which is Congrats. two days ago. Yeah. Congrats or I'm sorry. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pretty amazing. We've, we've, really, we've really seen the growth happen in the past few years, though. Because it's really, it couldn't just be Ben and myself um, or just even myself. It's really just the team. Right. And they're the ones, they, they, every day these guys fire me from some job. Like Eric, just take care of the bathrooms, you know. Right. Uh, uh, turn the lights on. Okay. Yeah. Pay some bills. Right. And even that, I don't get to do any much anymore. The CFO comes here. I don't pay the bills that way. <laughs> just we just need to keep firing you. And now I feel like sometimes I come to work and they just people wave at me, like pity smile at me and say, "Oh, Eric needs something to do." Uh, well, <laughs> from what I heard, a really good leader knows when to get out of the way, and it sounds like you're pretty well aware of that. Uh, I, I tr- we we don't micromanage, and never like that. Who likes being micromanaged? Uh, we no just, one. We just really, I, I think it's like letting people focus on what they want to do. Yeah. So you, you get your own spot. You're, start, you're starting to hire other people. When do the magazines come in? Because I've, 2015. Yeah, because I, I, I have a few people I know. They're like, oh, yeah, Gear Patrol is this magazine. They also have this site. I was mm-hmm. like, well, they were a site first. And they're like, no. Oh, that's, that's, that's nice to hear, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we always wanted to do print. And it was something, you know, I've just been obsessed with print my entire life. And, you know, they're around 2015, 2014, you started to see a lot of these boutique magazines start to hit shelves. Yeah. Things like Serial, Monocle had paved the way for a couple of uh, more focused magazines. Mm-hmm. People who are, I, I, the idea of like a perfect bound uh, 200-page magazine that they could keep became sort of appealing. And we knew that we wanted to do something at that time. We just had to wait a little while longer. And we also wanted to do video. But we realized video was going to cost way more. It wasn't <laughs> something we could do well. So we, we scrapped that idea and focused on print. And yeah, 2015, we put together our first issue of the magazine. It was a book. It was like yeah, three, I remember it. It's very, very it's, thick. It's, it's so heavy that I think most people keep it because it's just too heavy <laughs> to, like, to put somewhere else. Uh, yeah. And you know, we've been trying to work on it since, sort of iteratively improving it. And now we're doing quarterly as of this year. The one issue here on the table is the, the first quarterly edition. So we're actually increasing the pace of the magazine. Right. And doing one every season now. That's, I mean, that's a big deal, especially in a world where I'm not ripping on anyone, but I think print is really struggling when it you think of yeah. the, the standard magazines. But it, I mean, it goes to show you that the desire for people to, to, you know, read a physical object, to feel the paper, to, you know, be enticed by good storytelling and good products. I don't think that's gone away at all. No, I think people love permanence. You know, everything's yeah. so ephemeral now. And, right. and that's why I think the magazines have a really 
fantastic opportunity to impact people. Now, there's a lot of turmoil happening, but I, st- I still feel really optimistic about the print industry. They, they've got to figure some things out. Yeah. Uh, they've got to deal with probably some backwards types of distribution problem, problems that they've got to deal with. But mm-hmm. um, for us, we can go at it with a fresh perspective. It's, it's exciting. And we see a lot of opportunity. We've seen a lot of really great feedback from it. Um, and also just they move for us, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen it in the airports. I've seen it in lounges. I've seen, I mean, it's, and they're people that I don't know. You know, it's, it, they're just like guys on the airplane, you know, flipping through, looking about cars and stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 it's nice. Uh, we, and it's, it's really great because as a digital publication, anything, something, doing something in print sort of adds this validity to what you're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't the reason why we did this, but we may have actually done it for ourselves too. So if we can, we can do something in print and you know what, hell or high water, we're going to do it. This episode is brought to you by The Rake. The Rake is the world's preeminent publication dedicated to the education and empowerment of style. Recapturing the codes of classic men's elegance, The Rake is inspired by icons such as Cary Grant, Gianni Agnelli, Sean Connery, and their contemporary counterparts. They provide incisive, in-depth commentary on menswear and the many elements of gentlemanly living, from manners and ethics to art and design, clothing, and more. As an extension of the magazine, TheRake.com is a pioneering luxury e-commerce platform, offering expertly curated selections of clothing, footwear, watches, as well as exclusive collaborations with incredible artisans and brands. Their shopping experience is enriched by their editorial approach, allowing you to read illuminating stories about the design and influence behind each product. The Rake is the modern voice of classic elegance. Most of you love clothes, but if you're like me, you want to know what is it that's so attractive about them? What makes a suit timeless? What's the origin of that brand? The Rake has taught and inspired me tons over the years, from the origins of Sprezzatura to the beauty of a Milanese buttonhole. I'm not kidding. To learn more, visit therake.com and use the code BLAMO10 to enjoy 10% off for the entire month of April. That's therake.com and code BLAMO10 at checkout. Yeah, I mean, I think the attitude of doing something for yourself too is probably what's going to make something successful or not. I, I, personally speaking, I've never been able to do something for someone else that's been very good. It's just, oh, come on. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not fishing for compliments. It's just like when, it, you know, if I don't have like the passion behind what I'm trying to do, it's hard. I think it's hard for it to be successful. Yeah, it's, I, that's it's difficult. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I don't know if this happened for you, but when I became a dad, I didn't, I wasn't that interested in it at the beginning. And then <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't, sorry, no, no, no. sorry Hunter. Anyway, no, there's a big umbrella of grace. I there, know what there, you mean. And then maybe six or seven months into it, I realized this could be more than just every morning, every night. And I became obsessed with sort of becoming a dad. And that's sort of opened up a lot of things. And you talk about being passionate about something. I realized that's actually where I need to focus a lot of that strength. Uh, on being a dad? On being a dad, yeah. And that sort of set that priority zero. Awareness is key. Awareness is, you're absolutely right. So you're, I think you already won. I think you're okay. Uh. <laughs> it, it, honestly, like there's, you know, something that, that at least clicked with me is I love, obviously, like I'm a very passionate person. I'm kind of a, of, of my friends, I'm kind of the ambassador of just like... No, you have, gr- you have a lot of energy. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> of weirdness. I'm like, you got to see this. You got to read this. Have you done that? Have yeah. you done this? And to know that I'm going to get to do that with my child 
has really like messed with me in, in some very humbling ways. Cause like if you right now, if I'm like, Hey, name me some albums that have changed your life. Name me cars that you care about. Name me, I mean, these objects that basically have helped frame the reference mm-hmm. and, and the foundation of who you are and who you've become, you now have this opportunity to show this to this person, you know, your kids. And, and I think the thing that I am excited, but also nervous about is I remember my dad was trying to show me uh, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and stuff. And I was like, this is trash. I was like, this stinks. And I can't tell you how formative that is for you. Yeah. And how dumb I felt too. real. Like I love Zeppelin. I love the Beatles. How, how, why is it that, you know, I was such a goofball that I, because my dad showed it to me when I didn't realize this was something personal that he cared about. Yeah. So it's, it's made me very empathetic towards my family, but Mm. also very excited to show my kid music, movies. um, I'm so excited about it. Watches. I mean, all this stuff, like I was, you know, showing her my watch and she was like, you know, obviously she's 16 months old, so she doesn't really. Your daughter's name's Harriet, right? Harriet, yeah. Harriet. So she doesn't care about anything other than just like, oh, what is this? You know, so she's like <laughs> smacking it. And I'm just like, oh, be careful. And I'm like, oh, man, oh, no. I was like, I wonder if I'm ever going to become the parent that has, that's dad stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I absolutely know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I, um, I have these speakers in my house, and they're these Bowers and Wilkins speakers. They're kind of sort of high-end. And I remember showing them to Hunter. And I swear one month later, or not even that long later, a finger had gone through the, 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 the cone. The cone. <laughs> and, you know, I got home and I realized, this is when I realized I wasn't going to try to be that person. When I looked at it, I said, you know what? That's kind of awesome. I'm playing with it. It's going <laughs> to, yeah. I, I still haven't fixed it. Sure. Um, I showed him, like, you know, this is, don't put your finger this way. You know, you can, like, touch it and, like, play with it, but just don't, don't go through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to be the dad stuff guy. Or trying to be all minimal and mm-hmm. want to be. You guys have a really interesting outlook on materialism. I'd love for you to share more with me. Yeah, I mean, we, materialism has this sort of stigma about it. And people think materialism, and they sort of combine it with or they associate it with consumption, just unrelenting consumption. Mm. It's, it's, for us, it's not really about that. You know, we... People interact with Gear Patrol, and this is the way we see it. People interact with Gear Patrol at any given time. We don't know when they're going to interact with Gear Patrol. It may be because they've come on a Tuesday, or they've come on a Friday, or they've come after a month. Right. So we feel like it's really important to make sure the right products are in the right people's hands. Because you know, when it comes to being a human being, products sort of make our life better. Mm-hmm. They can make them worse. Nothing's worse than buying something that doesn't work yeah. or fails. And especially when you rely on it, you know, we come straight out of the womb eating diapers. Yes. And I'm not, I'm that, that analogy was, is belongs to somebody who's significantly smarter than I am, but it's okay. We, we, we need products to, to do everything. Humans just require things. And so we just, we really focus on making sure that even though we're writing about a lot of things, a lot of the time, um, it's about making sure that if that's, if that person, if you were to come to gear patrol and you're looking for a turntable, you're getting the right one. You're not getting one that's going to break in a week. You're not going to get one that's a waste of your money or is too expensive. Right. We really want to save you time and we really want to save you money. And we, that's the service that we really lean on. And internally, that's the messaging that we use constantly, which is that itself is service journalism. And we call it product journalism, but it really is about making sure that the right products in the right hands, because it's, there's nothing better than getting one thing and realizing there's so much lift in your life. 
Right. I haven't bought that. It could be something, not frivolous, but it could be something extremely aspirational or expensive, like a Patek Philippe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or it could be something as simple as these pair of headphones that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. But if they work and they work reliably, you realize how much, like how much of a gap that's filled in your life. So ensuring that people have the right things around them for all things they do, whether it's a hobby or need or something that's extremely essential, that's really what we're focused on. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I think it's tough to understand value for certain people. Value is 100% of the whole thing. Yeah. And value, but value is very different for different people. Exactly. And I, that's something, you know, for me, value, I don't always think about the price. I think about the longevity. Or the quality. And the, yeah, and the quality. And then also, what is my purchase say about me in a, in a vanity thing? I'll Absolutely. admit it. Yeah, no. And then also, was my, did my purchase also kind of like help propel, you know, in a way, uh, did it help give someone a job? Did it help take care of someone? Did it help, you know, and I, I think, I don't know if it's like the millennial generation or what, but I think that's something I've never been more conscious of until mm. recently into which even like certain brands, there are brands that I won't buy anymore that to be honest, a lot of people won't either, um, because of, you know, ethical employee treatment and things like that. And that's something that I never really was aware of. Um, until, you know, really recently. Yeah, I mean, pr- products are these manifestations of ideas, right? They, a lot of people work on, like, one thing. Think about the iPhone. How many people work on the iPhone? Yeah. So they're just dedicating all of their time, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, over right. and over and over again, to make one thing perfect, or one thing a realization of something they had set out to solve. And problem, you know, products are always trying to solve something. A lot of times they're not, which is they're just waste. But most, problems, uh, most good products are trying to solve for something. Right. Um, or a realization of someone's ideas. And so when you think about it that way, you realize there's a lot of culture that goes around products. And we talk about this word product culture too, mm-hmm. which is that you have people who are like, you know, it used to be like enthusiast categories, people really interested in hi-fi. Yeah. Or in the, like the audiophile magazines. And then you've got the, the camera nerds. I'm a camera nerd. And then you've got, you know, and there's the gearheads for cars. But then really what is it? It's about people who are using something to sort of pivot a relationship around and talk about and that's interesting to us that's really interesting to us yeah for you it's style yeah i mean and the amount of people that are involved with style yeah and fashion it's unbelievable and well i think like for me it's also it it comes into how can i be okay with the things that i like that that is something i wrestle with all the time absolutely you know when people ask me what's what do you think the best watch out there is and i go it's the one that you love oh dang it's it what is that that's heavy what's the best you know What's, the, what's your favorite brand? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's the one that you love. Because I love it if you love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that, is very, that is very heavy. I'm like wrestling with a response for that. No, yeah. no. It's, it's it, you know, and I'm not trying to fill air here. but No, sure. It, and that's why we think of this as, or we, don't, we think of this idea of materialism. And our, our head of marketing told me this term, which is, uh, he, and he read it from a te- or he saw it on TED Talk and or read it in an essay. But you know, there's there's two kinds. There's terminal materialism, which is materialism that sort of meets just an immediate need, mm-hmm. and that could be what you might associate with buying, like a Goyard wallet. I, right. I bought it just because I wanted to buy a wallet, um, or a fancy brand. 
or sure. a high-end brand. And there's the other side, which is instrumental materialism, which is you thinking about how am I going to buy this Zoom recorder so that it makes my job easier every day. And if I can figure out how to get the best thing I can as quickly as possible, then, then I'm filling a need. And that product, yes, I'm buying something. I'm consuming something. I'm, I'm buying something that, sort of, that I need for work, but it's instrumental to my life. And you talked about propelling you forward or right? mm-hmm. lifting your life. And that's what we look at it as. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really beautiful. And honestly, I think when you think of other publications or even other media outlets, a lot of it is just like, we don't even know if we really like this. Mm-hmm. You should buy it. You know, when you read it, and that's never been the case with you guys. And, and also hearing that perspective and that outlook of, of, you don't force someone to buy anything. You don't say, this is the best, everything is, is, everything is the worst. Yeah, you know, and there, there are times when sometimes that is the case, and we'll, we'll call ourselves out on that. But it really isn't about, you know, we think that, we think that there's, there's a lot of curiosity when it comes to products. You know, people... I don't, most of my conversations actually end up don't being about me. They're like, they're usually about, or that person. Mm-hmm. Like, Eric, I want to ask you five things. What grill should I buy? I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like, this is typically like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was using this, this observation the other day that it's a, a Zoltar. Okay. Like, you, know, you put in 25 cents and yeah. it will tell you which product to buy. Yeah. And, 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 and that's fine. It's, it's, it's fun if that's the case. It's a good icebreaker. But really, you know, when, when it starts to, you realize that over time, people know what they want to buy, but then they just kind of need that little extra nudge. Yeah, and so we feel that there's either place where we're helping you say, "Oh, this is something I never knew that I wanted," or maybe this is the nudge that you need to really get you to what you want to get. Yeah, um, or send you down a new path and to explore a new category that you've never been interested in before. But, yeah, well, that that's great. Um, so I want to talk about we're in your recording studio for this show you guys started. The show, this week in gear. This week in gear, this week which in gear. you are the host of. I don't know how that happened. I do. I talked to, I, look, I've talked to your staff. Apparently there was quite a few people who they air quote, like sort of auditioned for it. And, um, you were the one that fit the ticket. Uh, I mean, it certainly makes sense that I'm doing it. And I, I, I just like the chance to get to talk to the editors because I think if there's anything that I'm trying to do, it's just sort of channel what it's like to be in our office for a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our water cooler talk at this office is about products. And that sounds so nerdy, but we really, we're just debating everything from wine to watches to hi-fi to sneakers to carabiners to kayaks. It's just like literally that's all our, all the, that consumes so much of the conversation in our office. So we're just trying to capture some of that, how the pitching process works, uh, a little bit about the fact that we have all these editors who are spending all their time all across the globe testing things. Yeah. So we're trying to bring some of that into a, an environment where in just a few minutes we can get you in and out, get a chance to send you across the world with us or just in the room talking about things. And it's pretty fun. And I, I love to get to talk to these editors. They just get to do so many cool things now. Well, I mean, also you're a really good host. I, I, I saw a screener of oh, it. Oh, you did? Dude, you're good. Oh, God. You know how hard it was? So I'm going to say this. It's so unnatural. It's very difficult to... Um, I'll be honest. A podcast is easy because here's the thing: I can stop this anytime I want. It is not. It's, no one it's can harder see than you think. Well, yes, it's hard to continue, but like, it's I can pause this anytime I want. No sure. one's going to know. I can edit. I can remove. I can EQ. I can really affect how I want people to, you know, v- hear me sure, and yeah. impersonate me. But you can't do that with video. You can't like. That's you, true. Yeah, and also. Edits, you know, air quote, are like really 
uh, especially in in a, in the show that you guys are doing. I, yeah, there's three. I think we've got three cameras set up in here. Yeah, uh, and so there's yeah there's a, there's a lot of switching. Those guys have done a lot of engineering marvels back there, just with very minimal equipment to try to make it work. We're trying to actually we're doing what we said earlier, which is you get if you come up a ten thousand word review, I mean it's just too much. Right. Right. Yeah. If I'm going to read ten thousand words, I'm going to read it on something maybe a little bit more substantial to my life than sure. uh, than a USB cable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what I'm, what I'm gonna, yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we're trying to take you, go deep into the show, um, but do it in a way that doesn't, that does it succinctly. Yeah. And so you'll, you'll see there's gonna be like it's multi panels. I don't know what, I don't know what you got to see. Hopefully, it's not just a bunch of outtakes of me. No, being, no, it's dope. Fun. It's, it's really good because like I love like YouTube shows and I love. I mean, I watch tons of different random things. Like, yeah. Um. And I'm kind of a stickler. I would say I'm I'm a for production quality. Yeah, or, and I'm yeah. I'm unfortunately I've I'm a jaded, cynical we all are goofball. And uh, I was like, oh man, they're gonna send this to me. I was like, well, I was like, oh, I, I bet it'll be pretty good. And I was like, no, this is really good. <laughs> so it's because it, it's just so hard to do. And I think a lot of it is is in your physical presence, your posture. Who freaking knew about posture? And then all of it. Yeah. The but most importantly, the, the questions, the stuff that you're asking, you know, it's like, how can I make sure that I already know this really, really well, but yeah. I want to ask them in a way that I think my audience is going to ask, because that's what they're going to then reach out to me and say, hey, why didn't you ask about this? Yeah, I think that's, I'm, I want to go in there really curious, yeah. right? And, and there are going to be some things I know more about, some things I know less about. And of course, try to do a little preparation for it um, and make sure that we're, you know, talking about the right things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we're always going to drive into is, is this worth the money? Ugh. That's, and that's a discussion. And always, it's always a sticking point because you're thinking about this might be worth money. This might be worth it for somebody. Is it worth it for you? Is it worth it for me? And that's a, diff- that's a, that's a, that's a difficult one to try to get through every time. But yeah. Well, especially with income brackets, right? Like. Absolutely. Yeah something that's happened to me in adulthood is I have a few friends who are very, very successful. God bless them. Yeah, God And bless they are crushing it. And it's actually sometimes somewhat challenging to participate in all the things that they're doing in their life because of the expenditures yeah. that they rack up. It's like, oh, that's your second Defender. Yeah. That's oh, your yeah. second Porsche 356. Or it's like, oh, you just randomly went to Montana for a weekend? Oh yeah. Oh, you're a house in Big Sky. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you had one. I, I'm just. Uh, I have an apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, you know, to for them. I remember he, I was telling him about a watch, and uh, he bought a uh, GMT Pepsi, but he bought it from a gray dealer, and uh, the new one. The new one. The new one. Yeah, the new one. And yeah, so he bought this from a gray dealer, and I'm. I've talked about this before with other stuff and mentioned on the podcast, but like. It's very difficult to buy, you know this, it's very difficult to buy like stainless steel watches from anyone right now. From anyone, yeah. And there's a, but you can still buy it, you just have to pay a premium. And so for him, he was like, oh dude, the value is still great though. And I was like, whoa, I disagree. (laughs) No, yeah, and and that's that's a really good point. That's because everyone's perspective, the the calculus that you use to come up with value versus your friends is very different. You know, for me, you know, my calculus is all about school tuition oh yeah 
That's, that's, <laughs> that's real adult stuff. That's real adult stuff. But you know, when it comes to products, it's, it's about, yeah, it's different. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why I stay off social media mm. uh, is because I'm not sure all the signals of seeing what people are getting or they're low key bragging or whatever you want to call it is, sure. is, is really helpful for me. So, you know, for my own mental health, I sort of stay off of that. Dude, you're a genius. I want to do that so bad. I get so much FOMO from 10 minutes on Instagram. That FOMO is the worst thing for you. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and of course it's all heightened, right? Yeah. So all you're watching are trailers of people's lives, movie trailers <laughs> like in a world. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I'm like, Oh dude, they got that. Oh man, they're, they're there. Oh, they're doing that. And then meanwhile, like, you know, my daughter has 104 degree fever and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> it does. And, 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 and that, that, that asynchronicity between that person's height and your person's low is not good for your self. Like I, I, I've never found it to be good. And that's why I've just never participated in social media. I've, I don't. You're not above it. You're just trying I'm not to protect above it. yourself. No, I think it's amazing. I think like what, the way it connects people, the of way course. it allows people to broadcast. And there's so much good that happens out there too. But what happens is, you know, FOMO. That's exactly what it is. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't need that. It's, it's toxic. It's very, it's very challenging. That's something I wrestle with a lot. And I also sometimes feel like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go on and I'll just tell everyone what I'm doing. But then when I try to do it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work. And I also am like, well, maybe I'll just take a few minutes and see what and I'm like. Oh, dang. They're there. They're at that hotel. How do they do that? Yeah. Oh, you're at the opening of this place. Yeah. 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 I, it's never been, it's, it's never been something I'm interested in that much. Uh, I find that it, it gives me, the, the cognitive load of, of FOMO or social media is just too much for my yeah. life. And it's always been that way. I've never been a person that really wants to really broadcast what I'm doing, sure. which is ironic, but at least in the show, I don't get to talk about myself. I get to talk about what the editors are doing. Uh, and so I have FOMO in the office, certainly, <laughs> but that's, that's about it. Well, I would say, you know, not, not to, to challenge you, but maybe a little bit, there is, for me, you know, obviously there was a lot of people that were very excited that I was going to get to talk to you there so you you have i would say your outlook on something especially when you have more or less built your career and founded a company that's based on you know understanding stuff and, mm -hmm. and gear and things like that that i would say your philosophy is very contagious and exciting but i only get to learn more about it when i sit and talk with you so oh. i would say it the more you can communicate this, and I say this selfishly, mm -hmm. um, the better I think you're going to make the world and, and how you think about this stuff. So I would just it's put very, that out no, there. No, that's a, that's a great lesson. It's, it's one that I, I, I will take to heart. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're starting to wrap things up. Okay. But is, there, you know, is there any other stuff you want to add or mention here? I mean, if I were to plug one thing, I would say that the, uh, our This Week in Gear launches this weekend, actually. Yeah. And uh, so it'll be on our site and on YouTube um, and a few other interesting places pretty soon. And then issue nine, the collector's issue for Gear Patrol is on newsstands this week. Wow, this is a really well-timed podcast. We, we very, work hard here. Very prescient. <laughs> uh, wow, that's that actually amazing. I did not realize all the time in there. That's all I right. Should be, I should use better. I should use my calendar better. Uh, no, you're fine. That's it. Dude, okay. Well, Eric, I want to... Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, no, absolute I'm, honor. This has been it's been it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate chatting with you. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, man. All See right. ya. See ya. You've been listening to Blamo. As always, our theme music is by Tanlines. 
If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along with us on Instagram at Podcast or email us at info at blamopod.com. If you're hardcore and want to chat with other friends of the pod, join our Slack group and send us an email saying, hey, I want to join the Slack and we'll get you in. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.